Let's go. Okay, part two. I, um, ideas about Rosh Hashanah. The Pasuk says in Parshas Ekev, third Parsha in Devarim, talks about Eretz Yisrael. We're talking about a couple of people by the Shira now in Israel, or in root Eretz Yisrael. Talks about Israel as a place that in the top line we have here, Tamid Eime Hashem Elokecha Ba, Mireshis Hashana Va'ad Acharis Shana. That Hashem's eyes are always riveted on the land of Israel from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. That's the wording of the Torah. Um, it actually, has, there's more words there. Eres Hashem Dorish Hashem Hashem is always looking at it and um, you know, special uh, providence over Israel. But the wording that's important for us, it says that his eyes are riveted on Israel from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So, in the book of Tanya, Atarab asks an obvious question. He says, if Hashem is always looking at Israel from the beginning of the year till the end of the year, that means always, right? The beginning till the end means always. So the Pasuk could have said, or should have said, Hashem's eyes are always there, right? He's always watching. He's always giving the providence to Israel. What's this business of from the beginning of the year till the end of the year? And he says that the Torah here is alluding to a very interesting concept. And that is that the way that Hashem gives bracha to this world is not forever. Rather, it's in increments of one year. The designated bracha, the de- designated parnasa, wealth, health, all the brachas that are given are given to this world in one year increments on Rosh Hashanah. And so therefore, all, there's no such thing as Hashem just gave and it is sort of there forever. On Rosh Hashanah, all of the bracha, whatever is going to happen this year is destined, is brought into creation. And then at the end of the year, on the last day, it's sort of finished. It dried up. It's all over. And through our Avodah Rosh Hashanah, we have to again bring back the divine energy for the year. In fact, he says the word Mireshis, from the beginning, the word Reshis is the same letters as the word Tishrei. Um, and that is because Tishrei is the beginning of the year, and that's when Hashem gives the highest, the energy and bracha for the year. And he says every year it's new bracha and from a higher and greater place than ever before. So every year the, the, the world gets its sustenance and gets its energy from a new level within Hashem and that's up to us every Rosh Hashanah to bring that back down to the world. Okay? That's one uh, thought about the significance and prominence of Rosh Hashanah as the beginning where everything starts given for one year. Um, in fact, at the very end of the year it's uh, the uh, before we blow the shofar. It says kabbalistically the world is like in a weakened state on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, because you know the energy of the previous year has ascended, and it's just we're just working on bringing it back down. And that gives the a story. The, the Rebbe's father was a great rav in Russia in uh, Ukraine. His name was um, Reb Levi Yitzchak Schneerson. He was the rav of a place called Yakantrinislav. That was in Russia. No, so that's Lubavitch. But this wasn't Lubavitch. This is in Ukraine. This is the Rebbe's father. Not the previous Lubavitch Rebbe. The previous Lubavitch Rebbe was the Rebbe's father-in-law. His father was a Rev in a place called Yakin Trinislav. But Yakin Trinislav is a hard name to pronounce, so they changed it to Dnepervetrovsk. <laughs> so that, that's along the Dnieper River. And he was a great Kabbalist. So on Rosh Hashanah in the morning, he was walking with someone, and he was talking about that, that the whole energy of the world is different now. So the person who was walking with him says, I'm looking around, doesn't look that different to me. Looks like the same world. So he looks at him with amazement and says, what are you talking about? Don't you hear even the way the waves of the Dnieper are flowing? It sounds different. It's a different energy. You just have to see it. 
<laughs> so you got to be a tzaddik to see it. But Rosh Hashanah is a new energy for the world, a new energy, a new bracha for all of us. Hashem should give, should we take a year of bracha, revealed bracha for everyone. Okay, let's move on. The Gemara in, in tractate Rosh Hashanah, Daflamid Beis, uh, Daflamid Dalit, in, in uh, page 34, says, it talks about that in Rosh Hashanah we blow the shofar, of course, and we also have the special brachos that we say in Shemona Esrei. Right? Um, the way our Shemona Esrei is typically built, right? every Shemona Esrei of the year has the three first brachas, which are praise, the three last brachas, which are thanks, and the middle. So throughout the weekdays, the middle are the requests. And there's 12 of them, or 13. Middle. On Shabbos or Yom Tiv, all those requests are out, and there's one middle bracha, which is about the Shabbos and Yom Tiv. So how many brachas is a Shmon Esrei made up of? So throughout the week, 19. Shabbos and Yom Tiv, 7. Because 3, 3, and 1. Or 3, 3, and 13. Right? Rosh Hashanah is the only time we have an exception. Rosh Hashanah of Musaf, you have the first three, praise, last three, thanks, and then you have the middle three. And it's three sections of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. Uh, it's a section that deals with the, the royalty, the kingdom of Hashem, ten verses about Hashem's Malchus, then ten verses of Hashem's memories, the way Hashem remembers, remembers the world, and so on and so forth, and then ten circum about Shofros, about blowing Shofros. So these are three brachos, each one made up of ten sukim, that are the lengthy Musaf Shmon Esrei. Anyone who's been in a shul knows that Musaf of Rosh Hashanah is a long davening because it's all the Malchias, all the Chronos, and all Shofros. So that's all based on the Gemara that reads, the Tkiyas and the special brachas of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Ma'akvos, we must do all of them. My time, what's the reason behind this? Amar Rabbah. Amar HaKadosh Baruch God's Hashem says, Imru lefanei Rosh Hashanah. Say before me in Rosh Hashanah, Malchios, Zichronos, Vishofros. Verses about my kingdom, verses about my memory, verses about Shofros. And the Gemara goes on. Malchios, say the verses about divine kingdom, Kedesha tamlichuni aleichem, in order to make you, to make me a king over you once again. That I accept being your king again. Zichronos. Talk about memories, so that your memories come before me positively. What's going to accomplish both the Malchus, accepting Hashem as a king once more, and the Zichronos, that the, our memories are brought in a positive way before Hashem, all this happens through the Shofar. So the Shofar is the conduit. The Shofar is called the mitzvah of the day. More than any other mitzvah, the mitzvah that really personifies Rosh Hashanah is the Shofar. And through blowing the Shofar, we're awakening our relationship to Hashem as our king, and we're awakening within Hashem positive memories about us, about creation, in order to bring new bracha into creation. So, pure mind, why, they, why don't we do it? I know Shabbos because we're hearing Shofar. It's, uh, we think... Right, so you, you must have been looking ahead on the paper. So, you know, you know it's like, you know, the, the kids live in class all the time. <laughs> right, Rebbe, I have a question. So, I'll get to that. I will get to that because that's, of course, this year is Shabbos, Rosh Hashanah, and everything changes. But before we get to that, what's this idea that the shofar is the way of connecting to the kingdom of Hashem and the way of bringing up Hashem's memories? So I want to share two beautiful shofar parables. One from the Baal Shem Tov, founder of all Hasidic movement, and one from Reb Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev, famous tzaddik, um, the holy Barditchev, a, a, a disciple of the Maggid of Mezrich, colleague of the Balatani. Each one had their own parable to explain the blowing of the shofar. And they're long, but I'm going to say, I'll try to say it concisely. 
The Baal Shem Tov's parable goes like this. There was a king, all parables about a king, and the king had a beloved prince, but the king wanted the prince to really grow into you know, princehood and, and, and gain in wisdom. And the king felt the best way is to send the prince far away from the palace. Send him away. And he sent him with tremendous amount of money and whatever, but go learn the kingdom, learn the ways of the people, pick up the wisdom of the land, and then you'll come back in a couple years and you'll be worthy of being the next king. But the prince left and he didn't act princely. He had a lot of money and he wasted it, he squandered it, he became involved in all types of negative stuff and he totally forgot the palace, forgot the palace, forgot the king, he forgot everything. To the extent that he forgot the language spoken in the palace. After a number of years, the prince, who was destitute at the time, and involved with all types of negative influences, decided, you know what? Time to go home. And he heads back to the palace, but he doesn't know, nobody recognizes him, he doesn't look like a prince. And he doesn't know the language, and he comes to the palace doors, and he's trying to tell the guards, let me in, I'm the prince. They laugh at him, you're not what kind of prince, you don't know the prince, you're just a hoodlum. And he doesn't know the language, and finally, in desperation, he just cries out from the depths of his heart. And he, he sobs. And, and, and his father, the king, in the palace, hears the voice of his son. He says, that's my son. And it comes out, and he hugs him and brings him into the palace and brings him back home and reinstates him. Said the Baal Shem Tov, all of that is a parable, and that's Hashem in us. And Hashem is the father, Hashem is the king, and we're the prince. And Hashem sends us into this world so that we should grow. So we should become connected to Torah mitzvahs and become better and wiser and holier. Many times, though, we don't because the world and all of its temptations and everything going on, and sometimes instead of growing, we get lost. And then we forget even the proper language, the language of the soul, the language of the spirituality, to reconnect to Hashem. And more than anything else, it's just the cry. We cry out to Hashem, and Hashem hears us and takes us in. And that's the shofar, said the Baal Shem Tov. Shofar has no words. There's no words, there's no, there's no like uh, deep meaning. It's just a cry from the heart. Even the sounds of the shofar, the tekiah, the shavarim, the truah, like Gemara says, are sobbing. It's a cry of the heart. And that cry, our father, the king, hears and he brings us back home. That was the Baal Shem Tov's mushal. That was his parable for tekiah's shofar, for blowing the shofar. It's the cry that's deeper than any words that reconnects us. That's the Baal Shem Tov. Enter the Bardichever, the holy Bardichever. He had a different take on it. And he gives a different parable, totally different parable. The only uh, common denominator is it starts with a king, right? The Bardichever's parable goes like this. As the king was traveling, the king got lost. The king got lost this time. And he got totally lost, and he comes far away from his capital. Nobody knows him. And he's trying to ask, how do I get back to the capital? But he's amongst people that don't know the capital, don't know the king. And nobody knows how to direct him back home. But then he meets one person, and that's a wise man, and he recognizes the king, and he knows the way back. And he helps the king return and bring him back, reinstate him into his palace. The king is very, very um, appreciative of this person and elects him to be a minister in the land. And so it goes a couple of years until it happens that that minister sins before the king. Sins before the king, there's judgment, punishable by death. And the minister comes before the king and says, you know, your, your, your majesty, I, I understand, I sinned, and I'm worthy of the punishment. I have one request before the punishment is carried out. I want myself and yourself to put on the same clothing, the same garments that we wore in that time when you were lost in the forest and I took you back home. I want to just reenact that story, that happening. The king says, fine. And they do that. And when they do that, the king remembers that moment and is aroused with his compassion. He forgives him and reinstates him. Says the Bardit Shiver, and that's the mushal, as again Hashem is. Hashem came to this world to give his Torah. 3,335 years ago. And Hashem wanted to give the Torah, but no, no one wanted it. No nation was wanted the Torah with all the mitzvahs, with all the commandments, with everything. 
And Hashem was sort of, <laughs> there's no takers. And then he came to the Jewish people and we said, Nasa v'nishma, we're in. Yes, and we accepted mitzvahs and we accepted Hashem as our king. At that time, Hashem exalted us and made us his nation. But sometimes we sin. So we tell Hashem and Rosh Hashanah, but let's reenact what happened then by the giving of Torah. Says the Badishver, that's the shofar. But the, the Chumash says when the Torah was given, it was given with the sound of the great shofar. Every time we blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, we're reminding ourselves and reminding Hashem of the giving of the Torah. And that's, and that's our way of, of arousing the compassion, reminding, so to speak, Hashem, that at the end of the day, we were the ones who were faithful. We were the ones who accepted Him. We, we were the ones that dedicated to Him. And though we may have messed up sometimes, it's still we're the ones who accept Him more than everyone else. So these two parables of the Balshentov and the, and the Bardishiver are Malchios and Zichronos. Right? We, the first one is Malchios, that we accept Hashem as our king. Even if we're lost like that son who got lost, we accept Hashem as our king once more. And Zichronos is the, is the mashal of the Bardichever, which is, we need Hashem, we try to remind Hashem of the, of the good old times, the times when we were there, and we accepted it, and we accepted Hashem as our king, when nobody else did. So that's as far as Malchios and Zichronos, and everything happens through the call of the Shofar. Now, but Abe asked the obvious question. This year, we don't blow the Shofar the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Now, the shofar is so central to Rosh Hashanah. It's the theme of Rosh Hashanah. In fact, I didn't mention, but Rabbi Sadia Gaon famously said, what's the Rabbi Sadia Gaon, uh, Rabbi Sadia Gaon, who lived some, I don't know, uh, 1,500 years ago. Rabbi Sadia Gaon says, what's the idea of blowing a shofar? Because that's how you coronate a king. During a coronation, they would blow trumpets, and we coronate Hashem, we make him our melech in Rosh Hashanah. So how could it be that in Rosh Hashanah, we don't blow the shofar? Now, truth be told, we're going to blow the shofar on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. But the second day of Rosh Hashanah is just rabbinic. The Torah mitzvah is only one day. Even though, even though Rosh Hashanah is different than all the other holidays, Rosh Hashanah even in Israel is two days. Even in Rosh Hashanah is two days. But even in Rosh Hashanah, the second day is rabbinic. The, from Torah law, there's one day. Done. And we do a second day for whatever reason, even in Rosh Hashanah, even in Israel and Rosh Hashanah. So it comes out that this year, and every such year, we're not going to fulfill the Torah mitzvah blowing the shofar. We're going to do a rabbinic mitzvah on the second day, but not the Torah mitzvah. Now why? So everyone knows the basic reason the Gemara says, because maybe someone's going to walk out to ask the Rav a question, and he's going to carry it for Amos, and there won't be an Erev, and there will be desecration of Shabbos. So the great, it's known in the Gemara as the Gzera of Rabbah. Rabbah's decree, he said, no blowing the shofar because you might carry. No taking the lul of this year, the first day of Sukkot, because you might carry on Shabbos. It's a technical answer. But somehow it leaves us feeling a little bit, fine, because some person might make a mistake and do something wrong. So therefore, all of Klal Yisrael doesn't have this tremendous mitzvah of blowing the shofar, the entire power of theme of Rosh Hashanah. It sounds a little bit extreme. Especially, you have tremendous tzaddikim. You have Rebbe's they can blow the shofar, they're not carrying a Shabbos, you know? In Lincoln, we have an Eruv. So, so we're all not blowing the shofar because maybe someone in some other place will do it. It sounds a little bit far, you know, a little far. And we did in the base of Mekdash. In the base of Mekdash, we did. So there's a number of answers given to this question. I'll mention two. There's a beautiful answer given by a sefer called the Aruch Lanair. It's very interesting. He says the following. He also says a marshal. He says there was someone who, um, who did something wrong. And he couldn't, f- he couldn't find a lawyer to... Uh, Where's the king? I'm sorry? Where's the king? Where? To Marshall, he said. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. There wasn't, this, is not, this, is a sec- this is a second level Marshall, right? right it's not the Marshall to Bardishavit. But he says, someone did something wrong and he couldn't find anyone to represent him. And no lawyer took the case. 
<laughs> either it was so wrong or he didn't have enough money to pay. No one took this. And finally, so, you know, his wife gets up and says, you know what? I'll take it. I'll do it. I love you enough. I'll do anything and I'll, I'll explain. And because she really cared for him enough, she was able to argue in his defense successfully. So, so he says like this. He says, there's an interesting medrash that says, when Hashem created the day of Shabbos, so Shabbos said to Hashem, you know, Sunday has appeared, Monday. Tuesday has Wednesday. Thursday has Friday. Who do I have? Shabbos says, like, I'm left single. Right? This is an interesting medrash. Like, uh, Shabbos is talking to Hashem and saying, I have no date. And Hashem says, the Jewish people are going to be your mates. Shabbos and the Jewish people, you'll watch them and they'll watch you, they'll guard you, you'll guard them. So the Shabbos is called the Bas Zug, the mate of Claudius. So therefore he says, in the Sefer he says, that when we keep Shabbos properly, then we don't even need the chauffeur. Shabbos becomes our defender before Hashem. So in Rosh Hashanah, our scrupulous observance of Shabbos, so much so that we don't want to take the chauffeur because maybe we'll do something wrong on Shabbos, Shabbos turns out to be our defender before Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. That's what the Aruch Lanair says. It says, our hider, our Khumra in Shabbos becomes our best defense, and that takes the place of what the chauffeur would do. That's the approach of that Sefer. In Hasidic teachings, there's a, there's a deeper perspective to the Shabbos of, uh, Shabbos of Rosh Hashanah when we don't blow the chauffeur. And it says the following. Really, this concept that we started the class with, that every year on Rosh Hashanah we have to, Hashem presses restart to the world, basically. Right? All of the energy, all the bracha of the previous year ascends, and now it's up to us to get Hashem to want to do it again. Let's, let's create again. Let's give energy again. Let's give life. Let's give bracha. What we really have to do in Rosh Hashanah is awaken within Hashem the desire, the pleasure of creation. You know, Hashem is Hashem. Hashem has other things on his mind. He doesn't really need all the details of creation. But through our avodah in Rosh Hashanah, through our dedicating ourselves to Hashem and Rosh Hashanah, through our tshuva, through our davenings, what we're essentially doing is we're awakening within Hashem the desire, the pleasure, the feeling of, yes, you know what? I want to do this again. I want to energize this world. I want to give bracha. I want to give life. I want to continue our partnership. So it's our avodah Rosh Hashanah that reawakens Hashem's desire and pleasure in creation. Says Hasidus, just like typically the shofar does that, on Shabbos, Shabbos does that. The Kedusha of Shabbos is such that Shabbos itself brings about and awakens and arouses within Hashem that desire and that feeling of, yes, this is a pleasurable place. This is the place that I want. This is what I decided that I want to create, uh, what is it, 5,784 years ago, and I want to do it once more. And that's the real reason, the internal reason, why on Shabbos we don't blow the shofar. Of course, the Gemara says, Rabbi said there's a decree, but the only reason the rabbis had the, uh, what's what I'm looking for, they had the, the uh, they feeling the strength to be able to say don't blow the shofar on Shabbos is because they knew that on Shabbos we don't really need it to that level. And on Shabbos we can accomplish the same thing just through the Kedusha of Shabbos. And that's the uniqueness of this coming year. This coming year is a year that starts with Shabbos. In the days of the base of Midrash, they, they blew on Shabbos. Right. In the base of Midrash. Yeah, but they didn't blow in the countryside, no place. Correct, else. correct, okay. correct, correct. So this, this raises an interesting point. If in the, during the days of the base of Midrash, in the base of Midrash, they blew on Shabbos, so it would seem that there is a 
that there is a, a, a positive concept of blowing even on Shabbos. And the answer is even a blowing shofar, there's different levels, higher levels, and greater levels, and the base of Mikdash is an even greater level. And there's extensive writings about this, like what the shofar. Part of the answer is what Harvey uh, said. They only blew the base of Mikdash right. because they're country country and do it in the countryside. Right, right, right. Right. So, but on the other, what I'm saying is, on the one hand, we're explaining that on Shabbos, it's not really as needed. So, if it's not as needed because Shabbos accomplishes it, why in the base of Mikdash did they do it? The base of is so unique to itself. Right. So the base of was accomplishing something much higher and greater that only the base of Mikdash can accomplish. But as far as our blowing of the shofar, that's able to be affected by Shabbos itself. Okay. Um, I want to conclude with the fact that this year, as, as, as we all know, a couple days, three days, begins the new year with Shabbos. Now we have a concept, which is Rosh Hashanah, as we said last time, is the head of the year. And it's written in Svarim, that the whole year follows suit, just like a body follows the head, the way the head says, the way that. So the year sort of follows Rosh Hashanah. A Rosh Hashanah, a year that begins with Shabbos, means there's a certain power and energy of Shabbos for the entire year. It's a it's a holier year. It's a year that began on a Shabbos. The koach of the year came from Shabbos. So I remember when I was a yeshiva student, and it was 1989, and I was uh, studying in New York then, in yeshiva in, in Crown Heights by the Rebbe. And that year, Rosh Hashanah was Shabbos. Tav Shinnu. Rosh Hashanah 1989 was Shabbos as well. And leading, the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe spoke about it, a couple of messages about what are some of the messages of Shabbos that this coming year is like a Shabbos year. And, and one of the beautiful points I remember that I want to share is he talked about the fact that Shabbos has um, a paradox. On the one hand, Shabbos is a day of holiness. And it's a day of exaltedness, and in a sense we're removed from the mundane because, you know, we don't work and we don't do all the malacha. It's a time for more extensive davening and Torah study. So Shabbos is like a day of greater kedusha, greater holiness, and in a degree removed from the mundane. At the same time, on Shabbos there's a special mitzvah of eating and sleeping and enjoying, which is very physical. So on the one hand, Shabbos represents a certain level of, of, um, of um, elevated Kedusha, Romanus, upliftedness, in a sense even removal, but at the same time that Kedusha extends to our eating and our drinking and our sleeping and our oneg, our pleasure, that all that becomes a special mitzvah. So even our, our eating, which during the week the eating is, you know, Maybe and maybe not. On Shabbos, that eating becomes a special mitzvah. That sleeping, that whatever one does on Shabbos is within a state of Kedusha. So Shabbos has the ability, not just to propel us to a higher level of Kedusha, but to bring that Kedusha also into our activities, into the things that we're involved with. So the Rebbe said then that a year that starts with the Rosh Hashanah, I'm sorry, a year that Rosh Hashanah starts with Shabbos gives us that power that the year should be in that way. It should be a year where we're uplifted, but in a way that that Kedusha also permeates our, our eating and our sleeping and our mundane affairs that everything becomes holier in this special year of Rosh Hashanah of Shabbos. That was one idea. And one more, he said. He said, very, very interesting idea. He said, you know, we talk a lot about, we blow, typically we blow the shofar. And this Rosh Hashanah, we don't blow the shofar. What's the message he said of not blowing? Right? Normally we, we want to actively do something that shows our accepting Hashem as our king, our dedication to Hashem. He says sometimes there's something greater than the feeling of doing something. But when one is so dedicated to Hashem that I don't feel that I did anything. 
He said, for example, in giving tzedakah. He says, a person gives tzedakah and feel very good about it. I did a mitzvah, Baruch Hashem, I gave, I helped that person, I helped whatever I did. It's great. A higher level of giving is when one doesn't feel that, they, that they're a giver. I just, whatever Hashem needs. I don't walk around feeling, oh, I did this, oh, I did this. You know what? I forgot what I did. I'm just there for whatever has to be done. The Rebbe said that's the message of not blowing the shofar. Our dedication to Hashem is not always by doing and accomplishing, but by feeling like whatever has to be done will be done with me, without me. I did it. I didn't do it. When we lose that sense of self that I did and I accomplished, and that's an even greater level of dedication and devotion to Hashem. And he said that's another message of connecting to Hashem and making Hashem our king without even doing the act. In our, in our avodah, that means not feeling like I was some, someone that accomplished through greatness of my own, but rather I'm just there to fulfill whatever Hashem wants from me this coming year. And as we dedicate ourselves to Hashem, God willing, Hashem gives, dedicates Himself to us and gives us the brachas and everything that we need for everyone personally and for all of us collectively. And here is Hashem, a year of Mashiach Sidkenu. We'll blow the shofar in the base of Mikdash, even on Shabbos. Amen. Yes, Hashem. <laughs>